Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to amazing artist Simon Myers about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you do enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now without further ado, on with the show. Hello Simon Myers, how are you doing? Uh, Very well, thank you. Excellent. Um, I hope you're enjoying the uh, summer weather that we're having here in the UK. Uh, Yeah, it's great. It's getting better, isn't it? Um, it was a little bit cold for a, for a little while, but uh, the summer has finally arrived. Um, is it is it sunny where you are today? Um, yeah, it's it's actually it's actually okay. Although bizarrely, my um, my flat just doesn't warm up at all, so I'm sitting here in a cardigan. Oh no! <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, uh, firstly, thank you so much for coming on Comics for the Apocalypse. Um, it's, a, it's a real honour to, to have you on the show, um, and uh, of course, um, a lot of people know you from uh, from your Doctor Who uh, covers, um, but uh, for anybody that doesn't know, what do you do in the world of comics? Um, well, basically, that was it, <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> Who com- covers, and then um, editorial change that Titan, and um, and yeah, and it, it, although, no, hold on. My apologies, let's collect my thoughts. Um, when the 13th Doctor arrived on the scene, yeah. um, Titan went through a sort of a management and an upper editorial change, um, and it all sort of coincided. And also there was um, a remit made that only uh, female creators would be working on the book for the foreseeable future, which was, I think, is brilliant. I genuinely think it's brilliant. Um, but it, it means that uh, I had lots of Doctor Who work for a couple of years and then it's sort of petered out a little bit um but in the world of comics uh, i haven't actually been involved for a good few months um i've sort of been uh doing illustration work and then working uh and then doing little bits at coventry university as well excellent um cool so uh where can where can people find out more about your work and, and what's not my website is prettyfunky.com um, which causes my email address no end of problems because it always gets caught in spam filters. <laughs> um, my uh, Twitter handle is Cy Myers, and I have an Instagram page which is, uh, I believe, it's pretty funky at pretty funky as well. Excellent, fantastic. Well, all those links are in the show notes as well, so people feel free to uh, click through, follow Simon, and uh, check out more of his work on his website. Uh, now, unfortunately, Simon, I do have some bad news for you, um, okay. because there's unfortunately been a robot takeover here right. in the UK, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's it's really hit where where you live um so my first question for you is what is your action plan for survival uh to go analog <laughs> to go out no to go analog <laughs> to go analog sorry yeah of course to, yeah my my plan for survival would be to go analog get myself off the grid and uh just uh revert to being 
um, the country bumpkin that I was brought up to be. <laughs> I grew up in a village, so sort of uh, a farming village at that. I mean, I'm not a farmer, but I grew up in a farming village. So, you know, uh, not being around cities or, you know, just enjoying the countryside, is I'm fine with that, absolutely fine with it. And going off grid would actually be a joy. Excellent, yeah. It'd be uh, quite uh, detoxing, if anything. Yes, yeah, it? exactly, yeah. Excellent. Um, and would anybody be going with you? Uh, my partner, Ali, she'd be going with me, uh, her munchkins, Holly and Mikey. Um, and that would be... Mm, I think I think there would be a thorough uh, application process that people would have to go through, um, which I'm probably going to end up writing. The vetting process would be quite... Um, quite in depth oh definitely definitely can't be too careful can you <laughs> no not at things. all excellent um and so uh one fateful night um you're uh with um your your chosen people your partner and her children um yeah. and uh the kids uh start asking you about comics and okay. the first question that they ask is what's the first comic you remember enjoying uh well, the first comic I started collecting was the Marvel UK Transformers comics. Um, I'm sure I read comics before that, but they're the ones that stand out. Um, I was just anything, bizarrely saying that, about uh, wanting to revert back to nature and living in a village and, and uh, in the countryside. I was obsessed with Transformers, absolutely obsessed with them. So... The UK, yeah, the Marvel UK Transformers comics were 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 my bible for for a few years. Excellent. So that was really kind of your. You feel like that was your foundation. In comics. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so from there, um, did you just were you drawing proactively kind of before that, or was this kind of the inception of of I've, you, know, I've, you drawing? I've always drawn. Always yeah. drawn. Um, my Parents have got picture, uh, drawings that I've done when I, from being very, very little. Um, I think on my website there's a drawing of a fire engine and a police car that I did when I was four and a half. Wow! I think that's um, awesome. If it's not, if it, if it actually, I'm going to check because I've recently done a bit of a cull because. Um, I was just putting up everything that I'd ever had published. And actually, what you should do if you're presenting yourself is only put up your best work. <laughs> um, but to this day, that drawing of um, the fire engine and the police car, oh, no, it's not up there. I might put it back up there then. Yeah, but, yeah. I think that's nice. <laughs> Maybe on your about page. But yes, actually, that actually that's a really great idea. I'll do that. Thank you for that. That's all good. Um, excellent. And so, you, yeah, you've always drawn. Um, and um, when was it that you, um, you know, got involved in comics itself, really? Was it just the Doctor Who? Um, or? It was, well, I was, I was in the, I don't want to say fashion design industry, but high street fashion design industry for years and years and years. So I, I, I worked for, Debenhams designing garment graphics for the designers at Debenhams ranges. Right. I did stuff for Topman, Burton. Um, I worked on London 2012 for Adidas designing T-shirts for them. So I've, and then a few years ago, 
maybe four years ago. I was working for a company in Leicester and I got fired, um, which was a blessing in disguise. And I thought, actually, I quite like drawing and I'm okay at it. So let's see if I could make a living at it. And I've collected comics since, you know, you know, I have a run of Spider-Man that's 25 years old. Okay. So I thought, I thought I would try it. And I, I happened to run into John McRae, um, at a comic con that I was with, I was at with Daryl Thorpe. Um, I don't know if you know Daryl, but he's I do. Yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the best people on the planet. Um, but I've known Daryl for years and years and years. And uh, we were North at Nottingham, and John. I was talking to John McRae, and he said, "You're you're too good not to be in the industry." Um, so he gave me some advice about going to Thought Bubble and who to talk to in the British comic scene at the time. It was you know Titan were really quite. Um, prevalent and they had lots of books on the shelves so I, I met um their editor at the time and a few months later i was doing doctor who covers which was quite cool amazing that's so cool um and so going back to uh transformers were there, were there any particular uh moments or runs within those transformers comics that stand out for you now the one thing i mean I, my memories are appalling I mean, genuinely appalling but the one thing that stands out with regard to the UK Transformers in the very first run and I can't remember the issue it might have even been the first issue there's a excuse me <coughs> there's a page, there's a double page spread where all of the Autobots are standing in the arc and they all sort of introduce themselves and give a little bit give a sort of a, um, a couple of lines or a small paragraph of uh, personal exposition and that still stays with me because of the um, well, the design of the page and the fact that every Autobot was on the page. It was quite cool, but it did it did have that John Byrne, Chris Claremont esque of each character saying far too much, and all I wanted to do was look at the artwork. Yeah, <laughs> page was filled with um, speech bubbles. Oh no, what a shame! Be good to see the uh, just the original art. Yeah, any I, of the I, may, I, I actually may I may have it somewhere. Um, really? in a, a trade paperback because um, there were all of those all of the British comics from sort of the mid 80s they were all collected in annual form you know the big oversized for annual uh, annual form so I'm sure I've got that somewhere awesome be good to dig that out mm. yeah I'll, I, once we're done I'll have a look I'll scan it in and I'll, I'll or take a photo and I'll send it to you that'd be amazing great um, and so uh, the next question that comes up is what's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most? There's one scene that I, I remember actually physically laughing out loud because I'm not an, a laugh out louder uh, or a laugher out loud. That's, that's better. <laughs> Maybe. A laugher yeah. out loud. <laughs> um, you know, if something tickles me, I just sort of smile. But there's a, a particular panel in J. Michael Straczynski's and John Romita Jr.'s Amazing Spider-Man run um, where there's a guy leaning over a balcony eating popcorn, having a conversation with his wife who's inside, off-panel, you never see her, and as he's, and then you just, Spider-Man walks up the wall, I mean, literally on two feet, walks up the wall and just takes popcorn and then carries on walking. Mm. And it's really, it's sort of, um, it really made me laugh, and it's, exceptional in the fact that it's done um on the comic page i to this day uh, the timing of that is incredible considering it's done in 
you know, sequential panel form mm. as opposed to it being done in animation or indeed uh, film. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, amazing when uh, a comic captures mm. something like that and you just feel kind of, I don't know, feel the movement mm. of it, um, feel the flow of it. Um, it really kind of, it, I think it, it's even maybe more momentous, I guess, isn't it? When a, when a comic captures that because obviously yes. it's a still image. Because um, in an animation and film, of course, you can do that. But yeah, um, yeah, when a comic can capture that that flow of movement, I think it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, to, and to have a funny moment like that, I think that kind of brings it all together. And again, like you just said, it it is it is pretty um, special in the fact that that gag should actually only work if it is being filmed or if it's being animated. Yeah. The fact that it worked on the page is quite remarkable yeah absolutely that's that's amazing um i have to try and dig that out as well if you can if you've got it i will i will do i've got i, I mean i've got it somewhere but it, it's in many one of many long boxes that's great I'll, I'll try and uh, try and find it elsewhere um but uh, the the next question that comes up is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic um well i don't sad may not be the right word but Mm. um sorry i upsetting again i'm gonna go i'm I'm gonna sort of um meander down the sad road as opposed to the upsetting road but yeah uh all-star superman by frank quietly and uh, Grant Morrison is yeah. is so epic and beautiful and exactly what Superman should be. But there are moments in it that are hauntingly sad, though handled with such grace and indeed hope that they're just remarkable. Um, the, the, there's a, an example, the death of Park Kent. I won't say too much about it, but it's handled with such uh, delicacy and indeed... Um, there's closure in it as well, which is unforeseen, and it's really l- lovingly done. And there's also um, a page where there's a um, uh, a teen, um, uh, sort of purple hair, black mascara running down her face, standing on the edge of a building mm-hmm. um, with a cell phone in her hand. And I think a panel panel or two before it's established that there's a doctor on a on a train who's trying to get somewhere. And you see just, it, again, it's done with such uh, economy of panels like the like the John Romita Spider-Man scene in the fact that you just see Superman's chest appear behind her, hands go on her shoulders, and he, he just says, the doc, your doctor is running late and you are stronger than you should be. I paraphrase, I can't remember the exact words. And then, he, yeah. he, and then the panel ends. And you're like, that's what Superman should be, you know. Uh, I got the impression that if you saw that in a Zack Snyder film, Superman would have just knocked the building down and not cared she was on it, you know. Yeah, that sort of thing. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, it'd be good to kind of see more of that in in the films mm. uh, when they get around to doing it again. Um, if Superman, um, Henry Cavill gets replaced or anything. But, uh, well, I- I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but all of the DC movies look like they've come off the page, but I actually don't recognise any of the characters 
it's a really, really weird phenomenon. I mean, Wonder Wonder Woman, yes, she she has that yeah. that sort of powerful um, uh, drive for equality, that, and it's wonderful. But Superman and Batman, I didn't recognise those characters, and I grew up on them. Um, I have Superman shields on everything, uh, so it was weird. But but Henry Cavill, I think, given the right material, yeah. he could be an amazing Superman. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done well with what he's been given. Yeah, I agree with that. Excellent. I completely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excellent. So the, the next question that comes up is, what's the scariest or most horrifying comic? Okay. Um, I can't remember the issue. I can't remember whether it was a 2000 AD or with Judge Dredd or a spin-off of or an annual. But um, I was on one of the... I was privileged enough to go on a couple of skiing trips when I was at school and the buses, the bus journeys, you know, you're on a bus for 24 hours going to say the Pyrenees or, mm-hmm. and uh, there would always be sort of comics and books and, and magazines passed around. And, and one of the older students, one of the sixth formers had, had this magazine, it was either a Judge Dredd or a, a 2000 AD, but there was a story in it. And, and the premise was that everybody was taking their pound of flesh um, and I mean literally, you know, yeah. instead of paying off the debt, you are taking your pound of flesh, literally. And the, I think the last panel is a guy in a bath with no arms, no legs, um, and I believe sort of it's his like spinal column, and then from the diaphragm up, he's intact. Uh, and someone walks in and goes, well, I've still got to take my pound of flesh. You know, and, and that just stayed with me. And I think it was just because I was 13 or 14. It's one of those throwaway um, sci-fi conceits that wouldn't bother me now but at the time I was like oh that's icky I don't like that and uh, as I said it still, still stays with me <laughs> yeah it is amazing how <clears throat> things in your past can mm. be more horrifying like if you revisit it like it, it might not be so uh, so bad but um, kind of that that feeling stays mm. with you mm. I mean that's that's what's haunting maybe and, but thinking about it now like um, having friends who are writers that, that they've heard Someone would have heard that term "pound of flesh." Oh, there's something we can do with that, yeah. and it—that's um, where it comes. You know, my brain now goes to, "Oh, well, how did they come up with that story?" But at the time, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to be in a bath with no arms and legs." You know, it was—it <laughs> was really strange. Incredible. Um, and so the the next question that comes up is, "What's the most meaningful comic to you?" I haven't got a single issue, but um, Bendis is run of new avengers is awesome i mean his entire run there are weak parts there are stronger parts but his entire run is is amazing and i i will reread it no maybe not annually but every few years it's it's a wonderful book if and it's a blueprint for what the marvel films are now you know the characters speak the way they do. Robert Downey Jr., uh, Chris Evans, they speak the way they do because of Bendis's Avengers run. Right. Well, that's how I feel anyway. Because I was reading that, and then the films came out, and you sort of think, "Oh, uh, hold on, this is this is I know these characters in book in book form, and indeed on film, they they speak as I want them to speak." It's wonderful. The whole run's just just brilliant. And, and his dynamic between Luke Cage and Spider-Man is, I mean, it's worth the admission cost alone. It's its golden. 
That's awesome. And so, um, what I'd like to try and um, find out more about is is your what have been your influences in uh, for your art over the years. Um, when I was a student, I poured over everything J. Scott Campbell did. Right. I wanted to be the next J. Scott Campbell, so all I was drawing were these, you know, sort of beautiful women with impossibly thin waists and mm-hmm. boots that were bigger than their heads, and you know, had no, uh, no. They always seem to be just about to fall over because their centre of gravity was slightly off. <laughs> um, uh, but since then, I've seemed to have moved on. Although bizarrely, J. Scott Campbell doesn't really seem to have all his work still looks exactly the same. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. He um, he did Gem 13, and then he did Danger Girl for, uh, at the time it was Wildstorm, part of Image. Um, and now I think it's IDW. But um, you'll recognize his artwork. It's, it's, yeah. it's not there. But, um, sorry, so I, I sort of moved on from that, and I got really into um, retro painting, or indeed movie poster painting. So I love Drew Struz and uh, Bob Peake. Um, I'm a big fan of an artist called Phil Noto, um, who has this very cinematic painted field that he imbues his comic books with. Um, and I recently found out he used to be, uh, did some stuff for Disney and animated for Disney. That's why his work always looks like it's moving. Um, yeah, if you can find anything by Phil Noto, he's worth looking up. N-O-T-O, his stuff's amazing. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, I'd say Noto's really big influence. Uh, Robert McGuinness, the painter who did loads of the vintage Bond posters. Right. Um, I think I'm uh, Drew Struzan, who painted all the Star Wars stuff and the classic Indiana Jones stuff. Um what else? I really like Bruce Tim. I like his economy of line. He's the chap who, sort of, he created the look and feel of Batman the animated series, and that um, that really lovely like nineteen. Well, it's sort of periodless. You can't tell whether it's the twenties, thirties, forties, or fifties. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so it's it's all a, a mixture of that, and I, I just like painting people. So, um, and trying to trying to imbue it with life. Um, I look at so much work that's beautifully rendered, but everyone looks a bit dead-eyed and as if they're not, you know, um, not they're not. It's not like you've captured an image. It, I don't know how to describe it, but I try and imbue my work with a bit of life. I don't know whether I'm successful. No, <laughs> you absolutely are. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's definitely what you achieve. Um, it's uh, it's incredible to uh, look at those. Um, because when you first look at your Doctor Who covers, for instance, you might think, not necessarily that it's a photo, but like it's a photo that's kind of been, you know, um, run through a Photoshop or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and then you obviously find out that, you know, an artist like yourself um, has, you know, put in hours and hours and hours of work into um, creating something that's, yeah, got life to it and um, is an incredible depiction of, of the Doctor's. That's very kind. Although I did go, um, sorry, again, that is very kind. That's really nice to hear. I did purposely end up roughening my work. I know roughening is not the right word, but it was, I get it was my mum who said, 
if you're spending this much time making your work look like a photograph, what's why not just use the photograph? Right. I was like, actually, that's a really, really good point. So after right. she said it, I sort of didn't, I made a point of not um, overly rendering stuff, leaving paintbrush marks still on the page uh, so that people would know this is an illustration. Someone's drawn this. Um, I, to, 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 to use an example, um, I was lucky enough to get a, a VIP tour of Aston Martin. Um, it's not as posh as it sounds. My dad, uh, oh, my dad um, donated some st stuff to a uh, a raffle and managed to. Uh, so my dad's a bespoke goldsmith, and he, I, think, I believe, he made some jewellery for uh, a cancer foundation. And one of the other prizes in that um, event that he donated to was a VIP tour of Aston Martin, donated by one of the engineers. And uh, he won that whilst at the event. So me and my two brothers went to Aston Martin. Uh, that's a lot of rhetoric for a, re a, po a point that's not going to mean anything now. But um, what Aston Martin do is whenever they make an interior, they will make a point of putting two mistakes in the stitching. Um, and they were never in the same place. And the reason they do that is so that people know it's handmade. Because if it was perfect, then why wouldn't you just use a machine? That's amazing. Never knew that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it kind of, yeah, brings the point home, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's a cool, it was a cool little takeaway from uh, yeah. Aston Martin. It was smart. That's really cool. Excellent. Um, and so uh, the next question that comes up in this uh, conversation uh, is what's the most underrated comic? Um, oh, without question, Next Wave by Warren Ellis and Stuart Eminem. It's. It, I, I apologise for the big boy language, but it's batshit crazy. It's insane <laughs> and it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It, it was, I believe, twelve issues, and then Marvel put the kibosh on it. Uh, I think Eminem went on to do Amazing uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. I think and Warren Ellis is Warren Ellis, so he just went on to do something else amazing. Um, but if you can find it, there's 12 issues. They're collected. It is wonderful. It is. It's just, as I said, batshit insane. And it's 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 almost Marvel laughing at themselves, um, which the big two very rarely do. Uh, it's it's a wonderful book, and it is beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I haven't read it myself, but I, I did have a look um, before today's interview. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it looks epic mm. as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's like if, if you imagine. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm going to get this all wrong, but if you, the, I believe the uh, the strapline is saving the world by punching people, and it's <laughs> it's basically uh, what would happen if it's basically a drunk, um, a drunk, uh, clinically depressed Nick Fury puts together a team. And they are all, you know, um, stereotype, stereotypical Marvel characters, but amped up to the nth degree. And they all exist within the Marvel universe. They're all there. They're all characters with backstory and, and canon. Um, but they're just, they've got a Warren Ellis twist. And then uh, Stuart Eminem's design work is just epic, you know, absolutely epic. It is worth finding it if you can. 
and um, I, I still I still have a copy next to me whenever I'm drawing anything, just looking through it, looking at his panel design, uh, looking at his character design, uh, looking at how he um, infers movement or uh, relays emotion. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful book. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to add that to my reading list, which is increasingly becoming larger and larger every week. I, I honestly, <laughs> put, put next wave at the top. You will not awesome. be uh, disappointed. Excellent. I will do. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, and so we come to uh, one of our most difficult questions, and that is for you, what is the best comic of all time? Uh, do you mean run or single issue? Uh, it can be either. Either. Okay, the sing the best single issue that I've read is uh, New Avengers twenty two by Brian Michael Bendis and Lenil Francis Yu. It is a tie in to Civil War, um, and it is just fe- it features Luke Cage who he just wants to go out and get a pint, get a carton of milk, right. and it just it's amazing. Uh, it is genuinely amazing. Um, it's all to do with the Superhero Registration Act. And he refuses to leave his home. He refuses to sign up. He just wants to be left alone. And then all he does is he stops a burglary, stops a robbery at a corner store and wants some milk. And it just all goes tits up. But it's it's just a simple story of one man trying to do the right thing and not being allowed to. It's, and it looks great. It's really, really well drawn. Oh, that's awesome, and I think that's a it's a bit of a timeless story, isn't it? It's a, yeah. a good a good person that's you know wanting to do their very best, but mm. you know, things get in the way that yeah. stop them from doing that. Yeah, it's it's, it's a lovely lovely story, and then uh, I believe that single issue. Um, I, I, I store so much random useless information in my head, but I believe that that issue was what inspired Marvel to then take Lionel Francis Yu on to do a, a run of Avengers issues with Bendis um, and that runs really good as well I think it's and, and then he went on to do Secret Invasion with Bendis as well, but his time with Bendis on New Avengers stemmed from this one sort of fill-in issue that he did the Luke Cage story, it's, it's a great, great a single issue isn't that amazing because yeah things can make or break you mm. like just something like that just a single issue yeah like, uh, if you're given the chance can you step up mm. to perform and obviously you did uh yeah <laughs> yeah what's what's nice is that he or before that i felt his work was really i mean he's he's a most incredible draftsman um, and his work was always beautifully inked, um, but it, this felt like no one had touched it, no one had inked it, and it, it all felt done quite quickly with just pencil. Uh, and then they, you know, uh, sort of digitally darkened the pencil and then coloured it, mm-hmm. and it was all the better for it because it had um, had urgency. You know, it all it felt it felt real. It was it's a brilliant, brilliant issue. That is awesome. Um, and so we, we come on to maybe perhaps a more difficult question, um, which is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Um, well, I mentioned him earlier, J. Scott Campbell, and he did a run of um, a book. Initially it was an image book, and then it became when uh, Jim Lee sold his Wild Storm imprint 
to DC. It was DC for a little while, and then it went on to IDW. Did a book called Danger Girl, um, which is again, it's just big daft popcorn fun. It's um, it's a gender, it's a modern day gender swapped Indiana Jones. That's that's what it is. She's a, she's an archaeologist, and then it's got car chases in it, boat chases in it, evil villains, um, resurrected Nazis. Um, yeah, uh, jet ski skiing. It is a it's a Bond film put on the page where the lead character happens just happens to be female. There's nothing made of it. She just just happens to be female, and she's got a couple of sidekicks as well. It's a really really good book. It's daft. It's not it's not the Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen. You know, it, it is mm-hmm. it's popcorn fun. It's Star Wars or Indiana Jones or or the Roger Moore James Bonds. You know, it's it's just fun. Yeah, and you kind of need that in an yeah, apocalypse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sometimes a bit of escapism. <laughs> it's, it's like when you when you watch um, The Walking Dead, and and you just think, well, why can't someone just be reading a comic or, or reading, yeah. you know, reading something that's not uh, Shakespeare or Edgar Allan Poe? You know, they're living in the zombie apocalypse. Surely they need some respite from all the grim that's around them. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, I'll have to try and see if there's a, there are any moments in the in the Walking Dead uh, comic um, like that um, where somebody's just reading a comic. I think maybe Science Dog might be somewhere at the beginning. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's kind of you know they go somewhere yeah. and it's like it's on the floor or something ah, like okay, that, cool. like that sort of reference. Um, yeah. Nobody's reading it, but. You would you would think that Robert Kirkman would uh, would pull some strings and and have some of his uh, other books uh, peppered through the through the series. So, yeah, I'll have to double check that. Um, I have to reread it. Um, probably about time that I start rereading anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and so we come on to our final question, um, and that is uh, with your apocalypse situation in mind, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you? Pen and paper. Pen and paper. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I know that sounds obvious, but old pencil and paper, more appropriately, because that would work. Um, yeah. Even if ink runs out, well, I suppose the pencil can run out as well. Um, I just get the impression that information is going to be a commodity. So you would be writing stuff down, keeping notes of stuff, um, writing stories. All of our world is so digital now that if we lost our ability to store information or tell or even get information, because um, there's going to be some heathens or idiots that are using libraries as fuel, um, I think pen and paper would be, uh, or the books in the libraries as fuel, pen and paper would be really, really important. Absolutely. That's a, it's a very, very useful item. Uh, indeed and we'll give you that along with your uh, your full complete collection of Danger Girl cool awesome excellent uh, well thank you so much for being on Comics for the Apocalypse today and, and sharing all of those choices um, it's fascinating to uh, to to hear uh, all of those choices why and kind of a bit of your uh, your background into you know how you got into art and things like that so thanks very much Cool, no problem. It was uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me on. Excellent. Uh, and just for the listeners, one more time, uh, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, prettyfunky.com. 
uh, at Cy Myers, and I believe my Instagram is at Pretty Funky. But I think you can just put my name in and, and you'll find me anyway. And it will come up. Excellent. Um, and then uh, do you have any kind of projects or, or cons coming up or anything like that? Um, I am, I've been invited to Malta, which would be quite cool. Awesome. Uh, I've been invited to Nice, though I'm in Bedford, but I think that clashes with something. Um, um, so that's tentative. Uh, unless I can do a, a, a rework, I'll be at night as well, Simon. So, oh, cool. um, it'd be it'd be good to good to meet you in person. But yeah, uh, obviously, don't right. worry if not. <laughs> um, I'm hoping uh, things uh, things didn't work out this year for me to get to Thought Bubble, but in the last couple of weeks, things may have changed. So I may be able to get to Thought Bubble, which would be really really nice. I've really enjoyed it for the last. I think I've been four years now. It's, yeah. it's just such a wonderful event. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's it. Malta, nice uh, and thought bubble. Um, I think there's a couple of local. Like I'm I'm in the Midlands. I think there's a couple of local ones coming up. But um, I'm knee deep in uh, uh, university uh, marking. Uh, sorry, I'm knee deep in uh, reset marking for the university at the moment. So once that's done, I'll be able to uh, find out exactly what's going on and where. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'll look out for that on uh, on Twitter and the like, um, whether or not you're able to, to make it to Nice and, and Thought Bubble and things. But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Awesome, yeah. Thank you uh, again. Thanks for your time. Uh, my pleasure, Simon. Thanks again. Hopefully see you soon. All right, cheers. Thanks, Sam. Bye. Thanks again to Simon for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Simon's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.